You are not my first choice. You are here at the request of Admiral Kazansky, AKA Iceman. He seems to think that you have something left to offer the Navy. What that is, I can't imagine. Let's get together. I'll say it first. We all love foul. And it's time for Kill McCast. Yeah, it's time for Kill McCast. Welcome to Kill McCast. Here is your host, Francis Rizzo III. Thanks, Bernard. Welcome all the Val Pals out there listening to a new episode of KilmerCast. I'm your host, Francis Rizzo III, and I'm here to talk about the films of Val Kilmer, one of the most truly compelling American film actors of the modern era. On this episode, we'll be checking out Kilmer's role as Admiral Tom Iceman Kazansky in the 2019... No, wait, 2020... No, 2021... Actually, 2022 action drama Top Gun Maverick, which is finally out in theaters. I'm flying without a wingman today because I wanted to get this episode out there and also because I won't be going too in-depth so as to avoid giving too many spoilers, but I just wanted to share my thoughts on the return of Val Kilmer to the big screen. First, some general notes on the film. I thought it was a really entertaining movie, in many ways better than the original film, if only because there's more of a genuine plot here. Rather than just being a character arc of Tom Cruise's character Maverick, I was hooked from the beginning to the end, and genuinely, I cared about what was happening in this film, which, I mean, the original, it's very stylish, it's very fun, uh, but the story just didn't go anywhere for me. Uh, I, it was just about, you know, what's Maverick doing now? So, you know, I think this new one does a lot better on a lot of points. It's undeniably a nostalgia fest. It, it hits many of the big moments from the first film with new takes on them, or in some cases, they're actually note-for-note remakes, like the beginning of a film, which uh, if you <laughs> weren't paying attention, you'd be like, Am I watching the original Top Gun? Uh, but, you know, it's an, it's an homage, and that's for sure. And it's not a bad thing. I will say that some of the new versions, like this Surfside football game they have, which takes the place of the original InGene's volleyball game, doesn't have the same sweaty charm as the original. And Lady Gaga's end credit song, which is uh, Hold My Hand, I'm sorry, it's nowhere near as good as Berlin's gorgeous Take My Breath Away. Uh, I was hoping for something really good. It just was not there from that. It's it's a good song. It's just not Take My Breath Away good. Which, I guess, makes sense both for the title and how I felt about it. Anyway, uh, I am curious, however, how someone would uh, who never saw Top Gun would react to Top Gun Maverick. And, you know, what would they think about a movie like this where so much of it is callbacks to the original film? But if you didn't see it, does that matter? Does it have the same impact? It's hard to say, and I'd imagine it's pretty hard to find someone who is coming in fresh to this movie because Top Gun is such a, a, a cultural icon. I mean, even people, you know, you know, nowadays, even if you weren't, you didn't grow up with Top Gun, you probably have seen Top Gun, or at least you have a lot of the tropes, especially like I said before, that volleyball scene uh, where you know what's happening, and that kind of culture by osmosis that happens today when between memes and youtube clips i mean my daughter she i mentioned movies to her and she knows all about them but she's never actually seen the movies which is such an odd feeling um in, in many cases and i'm like well is that really you know enjoying them or understanding them no it's you're just having some sort of surface level connection some sort of uh reference knowledge that doesn't really transcend to a true understanding or appreciation for it. And I think, uh, I wonder if people who have never seen Top Gun would have that uh, appreciation or would the references just 
not matter or they just slide by who knows i'd be curious to talk to somebody who didn't see the original top gun doesn't know anything about it and saw top gun maverick so in this movie top tom cruise is as great a star as he's ever been I mean, there's no denying it. And what's great is with him is, and I noticed this because actually I saw a trailer for a movie with Vin Diesel. The thing with Vin Diesel is that he never is out of control of the moment. He's never, he never loses. He's never the, you know, he's never uh, down, it feels like. Whereas Tom Cruise, especially in this movie, he's okay with not always being on top. He's, you know, he, he allows himself to look a little silly at times. And I think that just makes him a more interesting hero and more believable, I guess. I, I mean, you know, I don't know how believable it is that somebody his age would be flying uh, fighter jets at, you know, the speeds and, and G-forces that they generate. But hey, I mean, at least he's uh, a fun guy to watch in these movies. And I have to say, Jennifer Connelly, who's always great to see in a movie, I love seeing her in anything. Here she plays a surprisingly age-appropriate love interest for our hero. She's just not eight years eight years younger than Tom uh, Tom Cruise, which I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. I mean, because so many times you see a much younger woman with an older man in these films, and here in you know they're they're pretty close in age it seems, and it makes sense. Uh, thankfully, they didn't go too young because there's a daughter involved in this in the storyline, uh, and I won't say any more about that, um, but. You know, it's, it's, I, I fear like, you know, your average movie, <laughs> you'd be looking at a 30 year old woman here with Tom Cruise. And in this case, thankfully, it's Jennifer Connelly. And it's a really nice matchup between the two of them. The, uh, the new generation of fighter pilots in this film are a very welcome addition. You've got Miles Teller, who's donning full Anthony Edwards cosplay from the original film. I mean, when he walks in the scene, I was like, well, oh, wow, like they cloned him. Uh, however, this one has a hugely ripped physique, which is uh, quite different from the original Goose. Uh, here he plays his Goose's son, Rooster. And there's also uh, quite an assortment of jet jockeys that go along with him. And I think they each get their own room to establish themselves as genuine characters. Uh, I don't really remember a lot of the original, uh, somewhat generic team that was in the first film. And, you know, in this case, I can clearly, I mean, admittedly, I just watched the movie, but I didn't watch Top Gun too long ago either. These people all seem pretty full formed. I mean, you don't get too much time where you're going to find out their hopes and dreams, but you each one stands out on their own. And I appreciated that on that part. The only disappointment I'd say in the group is Glenn Powell as Hangman. Hangman is clearly the stand-in for Iceman this time around. Now, I will say, there's nothing wrong with uh, his cocksure performance. He's, yeah, he's just what you want from a, not a bad guy, but he's not the good guy either. And if you're, but if you're trying to live up to the performance of Val Kilmer in Top Gun, that is a classic performance. The odds are stacked against you. you. It's just gonna take a lot to get over that. And Powell just doesn't have that special something that Kilmer had in the first film as Iceman. Again, nothing against him. I mean, he is excellent as the arrogant foil to Rooster. I, I, you, if you want somebody to hate, there's your man. But since everyone else is playing a role that's comparable to someone in the original film, Hangman is no Iceman. I'm sorry. And I mean, admittedly, yes, this is Kilmer cast. We are a bit biased here, but it just doesn't stack up and Powell deserves some other roles because I mean he's really solid uh let him stand on his own don't play another uh Val Kilmer role so now let's talk about Kilmer 
If you haven't seen the film, please stop this episode now, as I will talk in detail about his role, and I really don't want to ruin it for you. If you're a Valpal, you really need to see it for yourself. Otherwise, this is your captain speaking, and we are cleared for takeoff. So, Val Kilmer's only in one scene in Top Gun Maverick, but it's a really good scene. Anyone who knows Kilmer is aware of his ill health, and so it's a bit of a mystery as to how they would play a part in his new film. I mean, you wouldn't think that with the way the fact that he can't speak too well, that he would play a big part. And, you know, the trailer showed a picture of Kilmer as an admiral, and there was dialogue that referred to him, but considering that he barely has a voice, a lot of us thought that he would be more of a presence in the film than an actual performer. Thankfully, that's not the case. Admiral Kazansky is a guardian angel for Cruises Maverick. Uh, he uses his power to keep Mav in the Navy despite Maverick's blatant disregard for rules and authority. You know, he, I, I, it's so funny to think about how back, how bitter rivals they were in Top Gun. And now, supposedly, they're best buds in this movie. And in fact, the two of them text message each other a few times in the film uh, before Iceman eventually summons Mav to his home. It's here that we find out that Kilmer's current condition was actually written into the film because Iceman is struggling himself with his health. It hurts him to speak, and so he communicates with Maverick through his computer screen. This is a tough, this is a tough moment for any Kilmer fan to watch because it's, you know, you just, you love him. You know, he, and, you know, despite him not speaking, the charm still manages to shine through. And he actually looks pretty good. I mean, if you see, if you saw him in uh, Val, the documentary about him recently, you know, his, his health has taken a downturn. And here, I mean, I don't makeup does a lot, um, but he looks quite well. And I'm telling you, his charm still shines through. Uh, he physically reacts to, to Maverick and the, when they're talking, and you can see Kilmer in that in those reactions. He's there. Um, his limited speaking ability, though, does benefit Cruz because he gets to hold a really powerhouse one-sided conversation with his friend, and he really displays emotion that. To me, reminded me of Cruz's uh, bedside performance in Magnolia uh, with Jason Robards. He uh, really goes for it here. And it, it's it's pretty awesome. And it's made all the more powerful when Iceman is moved to battle through the pain and actually speak a few brief, poignant lines to his old friend. And he remind, basically what he's doing is he's reminding him of his mission, you know, telling him what he's supposed to be doing. Sadly, though, after this, Iceman succumbs to his illness. And this leads to a touching funeral scene, which includes, there's a vague scene in the trailer where um, Maverick pounds a uh, set of Navy wings into a casket with his bare fist. So we, here we find out that that was actually Iceman. Uh, so this leaves Maverick on his own now, and he doesn't have his wingman for the first time in decades. And this sets up the third act of the film. So was Kilmer needed for this sequel? You know, probably not. Despite Cruz saying that he was absolutely necessary, and but considering this, uh, considering how big an ingredient nostalgia is in this film, and it is, it's, it's a huge part of the film for anybody who's seen the first one. If you were to leave out one of the key characters and key relationships from the original, it would have been a huge missed opportunity for this film. Not to mention the fact that we get a chance to see Cruz and Kilmer work together, likely for the last time, unfortunately. I only hope we get to revisit Matt Mardigan in a similar way in the upcoming Willow series on Disney+.
Now, I won't get too much into the rest of the movie as there's not much else that has to do with Kilmer. But I will say, I think this might have been the loudest film I've ever seen in a theater. The sound of jet engines made me jump at least twice. And the rest of the film is a sonic barrage. But it all adds up to one of the most enjoyable mainstream studio pictures I've seen in a very long time. And I heartily recommend it, even if Top Gun wasn't your cup of tea. Now that I've had my say... Come children, let's explore the kills and valleys. Kills and valleys, the best and worst reviews of this film? Well, on Rotten Tomatoes, Top Gun Maverick is at 97% fresh. Uh, that's quite a difference from the first film, which currently ranks 56%. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, it seems that people really like the new one. And I, I, I agree, definitely. You know, Kilmer's return as Iceman is definitely getting positive reviews across the board. I haven't found anybody who's had a negative review of it, but I think they, it's summed up nicely by Justin Chang of the LA Times. There's some irony and maybe even a hint of self-awareness in the fact that while Cruz owns just about every moment of this movie, another star winds up stealing it. As Iceman, Maverick's old adversary turned wingman, mentor, and alley, Val Kilmer haunts Top Gun Maverick from its earliest moments but enters it surprisingly late, anchoring a perfectly timed, beautifully played scene that kicks the movie into emotional overdrive. Watching Ice as he greets and counsels Maverick, you may find yourself thinking about the actor playing him, about the recent toll on his health, and the rickety trajectory of his own post-80s and 90s career, subjects that were illuminated in the recent documentary Val. In one fictional moment, he gives us something unmistakably irreducibly real, partly by puncturing the fantasy of human invincibility that his co-star has never stopped trying to sell. I think that just about says it all. So I have a decision to make. With or without Val. Does Val Kilmer make or break this movie? You know, I kind of hemmed and hawed about this one a bit. As I mentioned before, I think you could have made this movie without Kilmer's involvement, and the plot honestly would have worked just fine. But just as Powell can't get out of Kilmer's shadow as the ace frenemy, the film wouldn't have been able to feel as complete without the relationship between Maverick and Iceman getting the spotlight gets here. Would it feel the same? I don't think so. I think you really do need Val Kilmer in this film, and thankfully they were able to do it while he's still able to act. So that's it for this episode of KilmerCast. I'd like to thank you all for joining me as I shared my thoughts on this new action classic. In our next episode, we'll be heading back to California as we dig into the world of meth with the 2002 film, The Salton Sea. In the meanwhile, please email any thoughts, questions, or comments to kilmercast at gmail.com and follow the show on Twitter at KilmerCast. Thank you for listening and remember to keep it Kilmer. Hey!